Uh, welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. Um, it's our, our latest episode of the year, and uh, we are talking about uh, cryptocurrencies uh, on this podcast. It's been um, something of a roller coaster ride, and it was certainly um, the approval of Bitcoin ETFs in particular dominated a lot of the news agenda at the start of uh, January, if you've been following this particular market. Um, on the podcast today, we have Chris Ganatti joining us from ETF manager Wisdom Tree, who is their global head of research. And we are going to be talking a little bit about um, those events and, and what happens next. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, everyone probably already knows the SEC, um, as, I, as I thought they would, um, uh, has approved the applications by a number of different fund managers for uh, Bitcoin, spot Bitcoin ETFs in the US. What? Why was it, though, in summary, why was it so important to the industry and why was it driving the price so much? Why did this become such a dominant issue? Well, one of the things, as, as you kind of look back over the history and recognize that I think the first time an ETF application for a Bitcoin spot exposure ETF came in uh, and, and sort of went in the door of the SEC was 2013. I think it was the, the Gemini uh, application, the Winklevoss twins. And so it was, in many respects, the culmination of a decade-long journey. Uh, there was a certain degree of just general maturation of the asset class and, and the market structure. I mean, Bitcoin and trading Bitcoin was kind of a different experience in 2013 versus uh, 2024. Uh, and so seeing that stamp of uh, regulatory approval, um, how, however, they uh, ind indicated they really you know, don't want to be seen as endorsing uh, Bitcoin by any uh, stretch of the word. But uh, at, at the end of the day, culminating that journey with the SEC, actually allowing 11 different products on January. It's, it's sort of funny, 11 products, January 11th, everything kind of comes together. We're, we're now, as we have this conversation, about six weeks or so uh, in or, 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 you know, so, something like that. And, and you're kind of now in a position where it was potentially one of the most competitive ever uh, ETF launches out of the gate, multiple providers putting the fee down literally to zero. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, the, the investor, the, the person looking for exposure to the asset class, you, you could say they, they were a big winner in this uh, regard because they're able to now access uh, for the lowest cost possible uh, an asset class that uh, they might have been following and had an interest in for multiple years. And, and they don't need to go through if they don't want to set up uh, all the various things to manage their own keys. Now they, they don't need to. They can just use uh, the ETF structure. And um, it, it looks to me, I mean, sort of, I'm not an active trader in, in crypto, but but it did seem like um, uh, Bitcoin was being bid up in the expectation that this approval was going to happen. And then as soon as it happened, it got sold down again fairly, fairly fundamentally. Um, it, it, it seems strange in a way that something like this um, uh, would occur because other people would have assumed it would have actually kept going up given that there's an expectation 
of institutional money starting to flow into the space as a consequence of this? It's it's interesting to kind of watch things develop because out of the gate, um, people are you know very familiar with uh, grayscale, so sort of the first mover. Many many times in uh, asset management, you you have an asset clash, you have a first mover. And the best thing about being the first mover is you, you typically end up uh, capturing uh, a lot of money because you're existing in the market before there really are even other options. So even if you have an imperfect option, uh, people get excited about the asset class, they use your vehicle. And so ultimately, you had a $20 billion plus pool of money uh, sitting at a relatively higher fee. Uh, and then you had 10 other uh, ETFs come come into the market with uh, substantially lower fees, in many cases a zero fee. And so on the, on the one hand, you're seeing a certain amount of money go from the higher fee player into some of the lower fee players. On the other hand, um, some of the newly launched funds uh, benefit by being just launched at very, very large companies that have models and asset allocation. And uh, it's possible that they, they can tweak some things asset allocation wise, and ultimately some money can uh, be going into the strategies that way. Um, but the new source of demand that we are excited about at Wisdom Tree and many others are excited about is the fact that you have these pockets of advisors, firms like LPL and Raymond James and Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch and UBS and Wells Fargo all across the United States, tens of thousands of advisors. And these firms, they, they depend on a centralized approval. And in many cases, the centralized approval takes three months, six months, certain thresholds need to be hit. And you, you haven't really had a lot of those yet. And so we're, we're still in the early innings of ultimately, in our opinion, seeing that true source of new incremental demand. So as yet, if money is just sort of transferring around, but you're not seeing new incremental demand to hold Bitcoin, in our opinion, it's it's hard to necessarily take the leap and say we should see the price continuing uh, to go higher and higher um, before the new incremental demand is really even opened up. And talking about listed products um, specifically, what's the big difference now? Because there have been other listed products. You've mentioned Grayscale already, which would allow investors access to the Bitcoin price. What's what's exciting about these new products that have been approved versus what investors could access before that? Well, and, and part of the discussion regards where the investor is actually sitting. Um, I know if, if investors are sitting uh, on the European side, uh, they might say, well, Yes, the headline of SEC approves anything um, is interesting, and and maybe certain European regulators at certain exchanges that haven't yet allowed these things to trade on their exchange, may, maybe they're influenced by seeing that that SEC stamp of approval. But by and large, if you're sitting in Europe, the ability to access spot Bitcoin or spot other cryptocurrencies that that's been in place for uh, numerous years. Um, but on, on the U.S. side, so the, the, any, anyone seeking to trade within sort of the U.S. regulatory construct has not necessarily had that option, uh, but they have had the option to. And one of the most successful ETF launches ever until the spot Bitcoin was uh, the futures Bitcoin, which I think was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there, there was so much incremental demand. And yet 
you you look at the futures experience and exposure on an annualized basis towards the end of 2023, if you just ran the numbers, you're saying, okay, there's a certain headwind to the tune of say 18% from just rolling into that next futures contract and continuing that, that sort of contango experience that you sometimes see within uh, upward sloping uh, commodity futures curves, which uh, is not is not great. If you're trying for the spot return, you're using the futures product. What that's telling you is you're really going to have a tough time uh, getting anywhere close to that spot return. So the the spot exposure, given now it's available in structures that work for European investors as well as US investors, uh, that is opening up the Bitcoin market by and large in a way that uh, hadn't existed previously. And so, I mean, in your opinion, do you think this is really a key stepping stone for the mainstream adoption of of crypto, but especially especially Bitcoin, but I'm thinking potentially you know, other coins as well. One of the, the parallels that often gets uh, discussed is the fact in the in the early 2000s, you basically went from, because gold has been around for, you know, th- thousands of years. Um, it, it has just been uh, sort of that, that perfect thing to fit the role of uh, a store of value and, and ultimately uh, money in various ways and shapes and forms. And in 2004, that's when uh, the biggest uh, gold fund essentially was was launched. And we, we were looking at the a rough estimation of the market capitalization of gold at that point in time. And we estimated, say, around 1.7 trillion. Uh, and today, gold's market cap is probably closer to 15 trillion. And it is a lot easier for many types of investors who may not want to set up uh, a vault where the physical bars are, are being held and delivered and they're trimming a position or adding to a position and you actually have to source new physical bars. And it's not impossible if you really want to do it, but it's not the easiest thing to do versus trading the ETF. And and so now we've uh, you know set, set that stake in the ground, said if, if you believe Bitcoin is an important asset with risk and return characteristics that are going to help the portfolio, vehicles exist so that you can use them right alongside your commodities, right alongside your equities, your fixed income, whatever you might want. And, uh, you know, you, you look and you say, where are we going to be 10 or 20 years into the future? Uh, and are we going to see something similar to gold? It's, uh, in our opinion, it's, uh, it's quite possible. And, and just to sort of summarize, I mean, these new ETFs that have been approved, how do they measure up against other routes into the crypto market that people have been using previously? The, the main thing in our mind is the degree of convenience, um, because if you really were a believer in Bitcoin, which was uh, the best performing, I mean, I, I haven't yet over the last 10 years uh, leading into the end of 2023 found something that outperformed the price appreciation of Bitcoin. So it d- doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just uh, it's really tough to find. Bitcoin's return over the last 10 years was monumental. The sharp ratio was incredible. Yes, the the standard deviation, the risk was also very high, but uh, the, the return uh, in many ways, uh, was was strong enough to cancel that out. And so, people always one of the best forms of marketing for any asset class is strong performance. So that that has been there, and the ability of investors globally to set up uh, the wallet 
and to hold the coins and to control their own private keys. Um, that's been improving year by year as well. Uh, it's probably as good as it's ever been now, and that option certainly exists. But ultimately, what we see is whether it's certain institutions or those financial advisor ecosystems where you have the advisor working at the larger firm, um, they, they, for various reasons, did not want to go that particular route. And so in a way, you're now allowing people who are a little bit, say, less hardcore and not able uh, to manage their own keys, at least not easily, um, for managing uh, the assets of their clients. Now there's an option that allows them a way in where all the stuff that they're either unable or unwilling to do is off the table. And, and I know what you mean. There are There is a large slice, in fact, of probably a majority of the institutional investor market that is still what I would call Bitcoin allergic and, and wouldn't wouldn't have touched it with a barge pole. And then maybe something like this will, will begin to nudge them towards the market and begin to think a little bit more like it's not just the Wild West out there. It, it, it does make a lot of people think, a lot of people uh, gain a certain degree of comfort when you do get these regulatory announcements of various types. It's not, it's not only the, the U.S. certainly gets a lot of noise and attention, but um, were there to be other uh, announcements uh, globally uh, from various uh, well-established Western countries, that, that also would uh, bode well. And you kind of think on, on the side, various types of catalysts and the, the U.S. sort of regulatory approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs were an important catalyst. Um, you see news out of Argentina from time to time. You see news out of El Salvador from time to time. Um, you see various companies like MicroStrategy, news out of there from time to time. Uh, and and so you're, you're kind of thinking, and one of the things I'm always thinking in the back of my mind as well is, even, even if I personally am not doing a lot of remittances, uh, globally, the remittance market is huge. And if you've got a way to transfer value across international borders that is not going, you know, bank to bank so that there's not a huge spread being taken out on the fees and uh, the exchange rate, um, which which Bitcoin could could be an interesting uh, tool in the toolkit to be able to do that. There, there are things that could incrementally lead to a greater and greater demand for Bitcoin uh, over time. And and just mentioning Ethereum and and uh, Ripple as well or XRP, um, I know it's really difficult to forecast this, but um, do you think that the demand is out there, and we might see a scenario where we'll see spot products on those leading currencies as well? So you you always hope for greater and greater availability. And I know in uh, the European market, um, there is a long list of digital assets that are already available uh, from many different firms, Wisdom Tree being one, but uh, many, many others as well. Um, in, in the US, currently, uh, there, there is a futures uh, strategy that is providing the exposure to Ether. Uh, so there, it, it is ticking that box in the appropriate way in the sense that there there are futures on Ether. There is another ETF that's tracking 
a futures-based exposure to Ether. Um, the the issue, at least when you look at it, it, it was certainly not as successful AUM-wise as the futures-based product that focused on Bitcoin. Um, and you don't you don't have that sort of same even even if you can put the same arguments to the, to the table, uh, the, the grayscale lawsuit leading to certain decisions and pressures uh, on the SEC to make uh, various decisions, you, you may not have that exact same chain of uh, of, of reasoning uh, to to sort of back you up. But uh, by and large, the market is waiting with bated breath for May, uh, which seems to be the key date on the calendar to indicate if a uh, ether decision from the SEC will come through. It's hard, it's hard to know exactly what will happen, but um, it, it, it appears we're, we're all looking with bated breath for May 2024 on that question. And in terms of the, you've touched on this briefly already, but in terms of the, the SEC decision, do you think that that's going to move the ball further down the field in the European market with other other markets, other other exchange traded crypto products. Do you think that 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 this is going to help to develop the market in Europe as well? So what we've we've seen so far from investor conversations, uh, the biggest thing that that sort of crossed the Atlantic, let's say, was um, the fact that multiple providers, Wisentry included. Uh, went out with a zero fee, meaning there, there was an expense ratio, it was waived to zero. Um, and so the whole world took notice uh, of that. And uh, now in, in Europe, uh, you, you are seeing uh, certain products uh, with lower fees uh, overall, wisdom tree included in that. Um, so the key thing that has transitioned between the markets is the, the price competition, uh, first and foremost. Um, the, the regulatory or sort of the ease of uh, operating within the regulatory construct is uh, it's harder to say with certainty. You're, you're in a position where it, it feels like you've, you've got the UK regulation, the EU regulation. Um, they're, not, they're not always exactly the same. They're not always looking at uh, the exact same details. And yet a general European client so motivated, it, it feels like they already have a lot of options, even if they... You know, don't have all the options. They they cannot trade literally on any exchange that they want, but there are enough exchanges currently available that it, it feels like should they want a certain exposure, uh, they are able uh, to get it at least uh, at this stage. And, and just finally, um, before we finish, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the Bitcoin halving event, which is now we've got this SEC approval, the big news piece that's out of the way. Everyone now seems to be focused on this. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how important is it, do you think, to the market? It, it appears that the having, if, if we look at history, and, and with Bitcoin, there's not a lot of history because, of course, it, it, it just came out in 2009. But you've, you've got kind of this four-year cycle where if you look and you say, okay, um, you have a having event, what has happened subsequent to that over, say, the next two to two and a half years? And the, the price has gone up. Um, and, and it makes sense in the, in the sense that you've, you've got a lower and lower amount of new supply coming into the market. You have that, you're getting closer and closer to that defined limit of 21 million coins. Uh, and you're, you're going along and, and at the same time, the price has gone up. The return has been remarkable over the past 10 years. 
And so that has attracted a certain amount of attention. And the more attention, the, the thing about the US ETF approval, one of the, the things that might be even more important, but very tough to measure is the fact that we and others are always talking about it. And if we're always talking about it, that's giving more fuel to people that might be on the fence thinking, you know, I, I was I heard about this Bitcoin. This is the 12th time I've heard about it. Maybe I should. And, and so it's just always in the headlines, the consciousness, more and more people, whether it's their personal accounts or, you know, if, they, if they're at an institutional asset manager, maybe, maybe the investment committee is talking about it more. So you're, you're getting more and more sources of discussion, which could lead to more and more sources of adoption. And this having thing is nice because the math would indicate that even if demand remains constant, there's less supply, there should be an upward pressure on price. So that's a nice story to be able to tell. It's also not discussion-based. A lot, a lot of the other digital assets, they, it's, they're they somewhat decentralized, but there might be a foundation. There might be you know a person kind uh, of kind of at the center still with with Bitcoin, it's sort of no, no, the protocol is written this exact way. And however we feel about it and whatever Jerome Powell or anyone else is saying, this thing is happening and it's happening uh, roughly April of 2024. And that's it. Um, and we're going to move forward uh, from there. And you see the miners, the, the miners have been very active in recent weeks, uh, adding uh, capacity. So so it's, it's very clear that the mining community is looking a lot at this redeploying capital and seeking to figure out what's what's the way in which they are sort of best positioned uh, going forward for I guess the coming four years. And I, and I guess it's also I mean it's it's being flagged up in that everyone knows when it's going to happen. Um, maybe not very not precisely, but they can see it coming. So it's not like it's a a sudden shock like you might get in some other commodity markets. That's that's exactly right, and and the funny thing about it is you kind of sit there and wonder, you know, why why wouldn't it just be priced in? Um, because the market, at least other markets, uh, especially you think of U.S. Treasuries and the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, that that market on a daily basis is uh, trying to read the tea leaves and indicate this piece of data came out so the fed may and then you fill in the blank whatever it might uh it might be we we have these events they occur every four years we know uh what what you don't know is if argentina is gonna make some big announcement regarding bitcoin like that that's an example of something it could happen it could not happen you just don't know Mm. um but uh the protocol itself everything there is uh it's completely known um, and so uh, you, you wonder what's priced in, what, how, how much does Bitcoin trade on uh, interest rate expectations and things like that, um, similar to other risky tech-oriented assets. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to always think you've got the having, but then you've got the whole macro economy occurring alongside that doesn't have a zero uh, influence as well. No, very true. Very true. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time today chris that's been that's been really informative and uh, obviously um great to have you back on the podcast in the future once we've got further developments in this market absolutely would be a pleasure brilliant thank you chris ganatti at wisdom tree you've been listening to the armchair trader podcast make sure you visit our website www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there